0: craziness That's what we might have for about four hours tonight. Craziness. This could be one of the weirdest, longest nights in NFL draft history. I'm not exaggerating. It's going to be fun. What will the Saints do at 29? We don't even know what the Texans are going to do at number two. How the hell could we know what the Saints are going to do at 29? We're going to have fun with it. Talk about it with our expert, Jeff Duncan, and preview tonight's NFL draft show next on (laughs) Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of damnitude, and he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere who can't wait for this damn thing to be over and who are are waiting for surprises and surprises and waiting to say, what in the hell did the Saints just do? Happens every year, doesn't it? Almost every year. Last year was a weird exception, Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, but... uh, more times than not, the Saints take someone that was not expected to be taken, wasn't on most people's draft board, because that's what the Saints do. We're going to get into it all here on Datitude, episode number 148, a special Thursday edition. We're doing Thursday this week instead of Friday. And that is because it is a special night, of course, a special day. Um, it's going to be all day long. Nobody's going nobody's to get any work done today. So bosses, just be known. Let it be known that uh, today's one of those days like it's like the first day of the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, For some people, the first day or two of the Masters or the U.S. Open or whatever the hell else goes on. Opening day of baseball sometimes. It just is. I mean, people aren't going to get a lot of work done today. And um, it's kind of the culmination of craziness, right? Uh, We go through this period of time. Where I'd say from the beginning of March, or maybe even you know, during Mardi Gras around here when people are getting excited about different things, until the draft is over. It is sheer sports craziness. And that's kind of where we are. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune the Advocate at bet.nola.com. com. Again, episode number one forty eight for a Thursday, April the twenty-seventh, twenty twenty three. Um, what do you think the Saints are going to do tonight? You know, I've been asked this, I'm not joking, a hundred times over the course of the last month. Um, I appreciate that people respect my opinion, but the, the true answer is, not only do I not know what the Saints are going to do tonight, not only does my guest, who knows everything about the Saints, Jeff Duncan, not know what the Saints are going to do tonight, but frankly, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and Dennis Allen don't know what the Saints are going to do tonight. Now, they have a general idea of where they might go, and I again, when Dunk comes on, one of the first things we talk about this morning is they may have an idea of they may have narrowed it down to likely five, six, seven guys that may be the pick at number twenty nine assuming they stay at twenty nine that is they may have an idea of who is going to be on this team when this night's over, but they don't know who it's going to be. you can't possibly know how it's who it's going to be. Because you don't know how the night's gonna go. And that is every year, no matter whether the Saints draft, you know, rarely we've seen them draft in the top 10 or so over the, you know, since the Sean Payton era has come in, because they're usually not bad enough. Now, this year, had they kept their pick, I think they would have been 10th. I think that's where the Eagles are drafting tonight. Um, But the fact that they traded up uh, or made the trade to give Sean Payton to the Broncos. Get that 29th pick. They do have a pick now in the first round. But there's no way to know. You can't even pinpoint what side of the football they're going on. If you go to Caesars Sportsbook right now, and the odds will normally tell you what direction a team is going in, you can't even do that with the Saints because it's plus 130, I think, or plus 120 or plus 130, which means if you bet $100 – You'd win 120, 130, depending on what the number was. Whether they take a defensive lineman, and everything after that is offense. So, in other words, it's basically 50 50. It's almost 50 50. It's maybe slanted a little bit towards offense, which I think is interesting because a vast majority of the mock drafts I've seen have the Saints taking defense. But according to the odds, it's probably about 55, 56% that the Saints take an offensive player. And it's about 44% that the Saints take a defensive player. And you know what? Not just because I'm an odds guy and I'm a sports betting writer, but I think that's about right. I think there's a better chance that the Saints go offense tonight than they go defense. Mike Triplett, I love Mike Triplett, one of my good friends, uh, especially one of my better friends in the business. But all, I've heard him t- all I watch him talk about is defensive. They're going to draft a defensive lineman. And it's all he'll even talk about. He won't even... Hardly acknowledge the fact that they may draft an offensive player. And I joked with him on Twitter the other day, and he didn't even respond. He responds to everything that when I stick him in something, and especially when i am been doing it in a joking manner. He didn't respond. He is so sure. Mike Triplett is so sure they're going to draft defense tonight. And uh, so are a lot of other people. If you look at even the local mock drafts, I think most of them have defensive linemen. And I get that the Saints needed defensive linemen. I'm not questioning that they, they don't need have needs there. But like I've been saying for the past two months, the Saints need more than anything. They do need an edge rusher. Um, they need an interior defensive lineman more than they need an edge rusher. And to me, interior defensive linemen, except for the top six to eight of them, are a dime a dozen. Now, some people may think I'm wrong. People who know what they're talking about might think I'm wrong. The point is... I think this team you go and spend all this money to get what potentially could be you know it's hard to call a 31 year old franchise quarterback but that's really what Derek Carr could be. He could be here for 6 or 8 years. And to me that's a franchise quarterback. If you get a guy that plays quarterback on your team for 6 to 8 years, think about how many of those the Saints have had over the years. How many quarterbacks have they had that I don't even know the numbers, but I don't I don't know how long Bobby Bears played in New Orleans but it's somewhere in that number. Archie Manning played here for what? He got traded by Bum Phillips in the early 80s, so he played here for 10 seasons or 11 seasons. So he was a franchise quarterback, and then obviously Drew Brees. So Aaron Brooks played here from what? 20, from 99 or 2000, from 2000, I guess, until 2005. So the list is short. Of quarterbacks that that played that remained on this team and started more than, I don't know, what, 70, 80 games. The list is short. It's not a long list. So when you get a guy that, like Derek Carr that could be one of those guys, maybe the fourth or fifth guy in franchise history, a franchise that has been around since 1967, you surround him with offense. You give him all the offensive help that you can possibly give him, especially – When you have a team that is already in the top 10 in defense that has been there in that range for more than two years now. That's my opinion. Um, Again, not saying the Saints don't have need at defensive line, because they do. But I think that's something you get later. And so I would be looking at, I think the two positions most likely to be drafted tonight by the New Orleans Saints are either wide receiver, but I think more likely, and I've been leaning this way, for the past few days now, again, I don't know any more than anyone else knows. But I think offensive line is now creeping towards the top of that list. And if I were to place a bet, which I haven't, may or may not. If I were to place a bet, and I think it's like plus 180 now, this number has continued, the odds on this continue to lower. Or, you know, the number gets higher, I guess. the Overall, the odds get lower. It There has been a better chance as we have gone along, the past two weeks, the number continues to get lower and lower and lower. That offensive lineman will be the pick. And again, it depends on who's available, whether the Saints can make a trade. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself with what Dunk's going to talk about in a minute. But Dunk says the Saints are always, always looking to move up if they can. Mickey Loomis said yesterday that they not may not be able to because they may not have enough of what would be needed to move up. And if they do, they might only move up a couple spots. So we'll see. We'll see. If one of the guys they're really looking at starts getting into that 23-24 range and the Saints get a little antsy, they may move up. Who knows? It's going to be an interesting night. Um, I've talked about it across all platforms. Uh, Obviously, you're listening to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. by the way or you'll listen to it on bet.noah.com. And uh, we're going to have our first ever bet.noah.com, noah.com, the Times-Speaking-and-the-Advocate live draft show. I did this back in 2015 with my good friend Jim Rapier. It was the year that the Saints had two picks in the first round. They drafted Andrus Pete, which ended up working out. I mean, you can make fun of Andrus Pete all you want, and Lord knows I have. But when you're on a team for this long, and you've been a starter for this long, despite his injury issues over the past seven years, I guess eight seasons, um, you're a good player and worthy of a first-round pick. Now, the other pick that the Saints made in the first round, and we were shaking our heads then, probably one of the rare occasions when we shake our heads at the Saints and we're right, was them taking Stephon Anthony. Who? Who the hell Stefan Stephon Anthony? Exactly. I mean, that's, I mean uh, some of you diehard football fans remember who and diehard Saints fans remember Stefan Anthony, but I barely do. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was going back and looking at that show when we were talking about doing this upcoming show tonight, again, on all of our live Bayou Bets channels and NOAA.com channels, on Facebook and Twitter uh, and YouTube beginning at 6.50 p.m. and throughout the entire first round, or at least until well after the Saints pick. Um, we're going to have all of our Saints writers and columnists on Saints Drive with Spencer Urquhart It's going to be there managing the thing. And all of them will come on at some point tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, it's rare. It's rare when the Saints get it wrong. I mean, sometimes we shake our heads and say, who? I mean, you know, just look recently. Peyton Turner. I mean, that's probably a bust. I mean, we don't know for sure that he's a bust yet. But it's, it's certainly looking that way. Uh, some people like to label Cesar Ruiz. I mean, what the hell? I mean, but he's still, he's been a starter since he's gotten here. Um, he's probably not performed as well as a lot of other first-round picks, but he's still a starter. He's your right guard right now. He's your backup center. So you can't, you can't even get on that pick too much. It might not have been sexy. It may not have been who the Saints really wanted at that spot. But... Cesar Ruiz is a player that has been a starter and a, contribu- a big-time contributor to this team since he got here. He's had his share of injuries as well. But look, I think the Saints go offensive line. We talk about Cesar Ruiz. We talk about Anders Pete. Those are two big reasons why I think the Saints need an offensive lineman more than anything else. I mean, they really need a running back more than anything else, but n- they're not going to take a running back in the first round. Um, I'd be surprised. Bijan Robinson's going to be gone. Um, Jameer Gibbs is if he's not gone I'm not sure the Saints want to take him at that spot we'll see um, but uh, I think that I think they're probably better served to get a running back a little bit later um, and I think there are enough running back this is probably one of the deeper drafts for running back especially when you talk about the first two or three rounds <clears throat> excuse me uh, I think that's where, where where we go so it will be a fun night Man, I'm a little verklempt. You see that? I mean, I'm getting all fired up already. I mean, it's only, you know, as I record this, still in the morning here, and I'm getting verklempt, just thinking about it. We're going to be on the air for four to five hours. At some point, I may lose my voice, which would be a good thing for a lot of you. But, uh, again, Dunk's coming on. We're going to talk about it. Look, no one knows the inner workings of the New Orleans Saints, and I mean no one. I've said this. A hundred times, and I'll say it 101. No one knows the inner workings and knows that the people in that building, that who don't work in that building, better than Jeff Duncan. He has a finger on the pulse of this team because he's covered them for the past 20 years, or 20-plus years now. And he knows how they think and how they work. And, you know, I'm from the outside looking in. Of course, I've covered the team here and there across the years at different times. But there's a big difference to being a part of the inner workings and how they think and getting to know these people. Having, you know, we had, in case you don't know, we had Mickey Loomis on the show last summer. I hope to have him on again this summer. We'll see. Um, But he only came on this show because of Jeff Duncan. He didn't come on the show because of Jim Derry. And that's because of the trust that Jeff Duncan has built up with his franchise and the people that work inside this franchise. So, what he says over the course of the next hour, you can pretty much book it. Um, and he's not going to tell you who the Saints are going to pick, but he's going to tell you how they're thinking. And that's why it was imperative that, you know, Dunk has been a huge help in getting this podcast moving and rolling and going forward. And obviously he comes on live with me every Friday morning um, from the last week in August until whenever football season's over after the Super Bowl, the the second friday in february or whatever it is and he has helped this podcast become a legit podcast in my opinion um even though we had some great guests before he was coming on live and all that stuff no people come on the show i'm not i'm not kidding myself i'm not fooling anyone i mean 70 to 75 percent of the people that listen to the show listen because they're saints fans and they want to know the inner workings of the saints and jeff duncan knows them better than i So with all that being said, and me blowing smoke up my friend's keister, even though his fantasy baseball team really sucks, and he's a San Francisco Giants fan and a Louisville Cardinals fan, we're going to forgive him for all that because we're going to have him on the show, and he's going to tell us what he thinks, and then we're going to wrap it up with maybe my favorite outro song that we've ever done. You'll have to stick around and see. Here's Jeff Duncan. No more mock drafts because he's been following my lead. I am so sick of mock drafts, Jeff Duncan. What about you?
1: How many have you made, JD? I haven't made any this year.
0: Well, I have made two, and the last one that I made was just about we did it according to the odds. Okay, we went, we took, we went by Caesar's Sportsbook, whatever they said was the highest, you know, was number one in their odds list at that particular position. If they hadn't already been picked, that's who we went with, and we made a list with that. It was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to uh, – I do something different. You've probably seen that story I do every year where I kind of – I do a, what I call a Saints kind of guys. It's a playoff of a of a, a phrase that you, the coach at Washington used to have called our kind of guys. He called them OKGs. And there were certain kind of guys they recruited into the program at the University of Washington. And I feel like the Saints do that exact thing. Uh, they get these high-character, high, uh, high character, intelligent, uh, football-loving kind of football nerd guys. Uh, they have a certain type. And so it, it's difficult sometimes, especially at 29, to pick who. Right. The Saints, to be honest, the Saints don't even know who they're going to take. That's what I've been saying so, for weeks. Yeah, they, they kind of know who the guys they like, but they don't know who's going to get taken ahead of them, who's going to get traded for. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. Uh, they're a victim of circumstance that low, but they have a pool of players that they like. And if one of them drifts into range, I think listening to Mickey Lewis yesterday, it's pretty clear they're going to go get him.
0: I was going to say, they probably know one of about six guys who they're going to have on their team, don't you think? I mean, if you could narrow it down and give give a number, I would say they probably think it's one of six guys, right?
1: Yeah, but you, you just you just don't know. I mean, the year they took Andres Pete, I mean, they'll tell you. He, he was not one of the guys. I mean, they, they just basically deferred to the board. That's good to know. They, 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 no, they had him graded highly, but they thought there would be these other three or four guys, and they all got taken. They tried to trade down out of that, which is very rare. They tried to. No one would trade with them. So, you you know, you take the highest guy on your board. And, he's look, he's been a productive starter, but the point is it, it's not so simple as is just uh, we're going to take this guy. You know, the Saints might – might even have a, a scenario tonight where one of the top 15 players on their board, and I think this is something we want to talk about today is the saints are going to have a different ranking than all these other rankings that people are looking at. They're seeing all these mock drafts and they're seeing these big boards. That's not going to be how the saints look at it because the saints are going to value guys uh, completely differently for their team than the other teams and the, and the other draft analysts. So a player that, they value um, to fit their system might be graded higher on their board than other teams and vice versa. I'll give you a good example. A guy like Patrick Queen, a lot of fans can relate to him, right? Starred at LSU, very good player, highly rated prospect, was never coming here, Was not in the first round, because he's too small for what the Saints look for in their prototypes at linebacker. It's not that they don't think he's a good player, it's that they don't think he'll fit what they do defensively so they lower the grade on him, and that's what I mean. It's they're going to have a different grade on an Antoine Winfield Jr. because he's undersized, but he's a terrific player. I mean, he's helped beat the Saints a couple of times already in his career, but he doesn't fit what they look for. So, uh, knowing that, you can kind of get a sense of the players that have had lots of uh, character issues off the field stuff. For sure. uh, they're going to get graded lower. That doesn't mean the Saints won't take them. They're just not going to take them high because the grade on them is going to correspond and drop them down. So you can kind of target and and winnow the field down early in the draft of who the Saints are going to look for because they've got a track record now with Jeff Ireland running the draft.
0: That makes sense, right? Because every year we say, you know, if X player or Y player makes it to the Saints at whatever number they're drafting, they're certainly going to take him, right? And then you see it year after year. X player or Y player makes it to them, and then they don't take him. And that makes complete sense because X or Y player may not fit their mold or whatever you're you're saying. Like he may not be big enough at that position or he may have off-the-field issues that we don't even know about or there may be things that he just doesn't fit and for whatever reason doesn't fit on this team, rates a lot lower than he might rate on someone else's board. So that makes sense to why so many times we've said throughout the course of history even, you know, the Saints can't pass this guy up at this position, and then they do.
1: Yeah, a good example like would be Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. The Saints back, thought he was like a first, second-round graded talent, but he had a lot of off-field stuff that, that dropped him down. A lot of teams had him graded lower because of his off-field issues, and he's small for a Saints defensive back. He doesn't fit their prototype. But it's not that they don't think he's talented. Right. They just he doesn't fit their size, speed thresholds that they have for that position. That's why they were fine taking him in the fourth round, but they would not have taken him in the first round. And so you know you just have to understand how the Saints think. And this is not unusual. This is something that Jeff Ireland brought here. This prototype system that he got from Bill Parcells, who got it from Bucko Kilroy, and it's been in the league a long time. If you look at Bill Parcells prototypes that he had when he was coaching the, the Dallas Cowboys, it's almost exactly what the Saints have right now. It, you look at, like, uh, I think th- the prototype Parcells had. I read his list the other day. Defensive tackle, 6'3", to 300, 305 pounds. Well, every defensive tackle Jeff Ireland has drafted has been about 6'3", to 305 They just don't take these small guys. That's just not how they, be- they don't believe in that. They might take them in the sixth or seventh round because – that player has an incredible skill set, but they're not going to take them high.
0: Well, I see your your little shirt on. Can I, can I digress for like thirty seconds? Tell tell a quick Bobby Knight story, which yeah. that reminded me of. You you talk about size and all that. The first time I ever got to cover Bobby Knight doing a you know coaching a basketball game, his number one Indiana uh, Hoosiers were about to play in in the NCAA tournament. U and O was in the same bracket. They sent me to in Indianapolis. So, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm I don't I'm only 22 years old. I'm not going to ask Bobby Knight a question, but somebody does ask him a question he had a he had a, a center that was about I don't know, about 6'5. Uh nothing special. He averaged about 7 points a game and they asked him if Joe Blow was his typical center. And he says, "Well, because my typical center really is uh, seven four, three hundred and sixty five pounds. The son of a bitch can shoot with either hand, and uh, gets about thirty rebounds a game. Other than that, I'll take Joe Blow. So, <laughs> you know, that just reminded me when you're talking about the different sizes of players, and the reason why I introduced that story is because, you know, the Saints have their prototype, and, and you talk about it all the year. Uh, every year we talk about this, and they may draft someone that. Everyone's gonna shake their heads tonight, and they're gonna just like they don't know what's gonna happen. And when they get whoever it is, and people shake their heads and say, "I didn't see this coming," it's because the Saints have their way and they're bored. And we can sit here and say, you know, that's weird or that. But you know, Taron Walker had a, a chart the other day, um, and I thought it was a great chart, and I would have never guessed it. But it's it's a it was a list of teams and their draft rankings from rounds one through three and players that ended up not only being, still being in the NFL I think it was from like the last six years but not players that not only still were in the NFL but that were starters and of the starters the Saints were I think number one in that list. So we can sit here and it, it, it may seem weird to who they're drafting and Pete is a perfect example but I would have never guessed that the Saints had were at the top of the list when it came to draft and you know, players they pick, they stay in the league, and they know what they're doing.
1: Oh, 100% agree. I would definitely would have thought they would be in the top three. The success they're having uh, under Jeff Ireland is ridiculous. It's as good as I've ever seen it. It's certainly, I would argue, the biggest change in the organization uh, since I've covered the team uh, and the most important change getting Jeff Ireland, other than Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I think it's that big a deal for this organization. If they lost Jeff Ireland, they probably would be okay because he's, his system would prevail, but he is so good. I don't think people understand the level of success. A good example is that 2017 draft. I've tweeted about this before. It's not just that you know the Saints got so run out of it, but these other guys like Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Alex Anzalone, they've gone on and signed second contracts right. with starters and productive players for other teams. That's what you want out of a draft pick is a guy that's going to be around and sign a second contract. That's that's kind of the whole, I think, uh, in my opinion, the, the threshold for a successful pick is if you get to that second contract and you'd like to sign, re-sign him, but in some cases – the market dictates you don't get them back.
0: And look, if he if he signs a big contract with someone else, it means you did your job well too, right? And you might get a,
1: a, a compensatory pick for that. So, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think the Saints have done remarkable job. People can nitpick on, oh, you know, Marcus Davenport here or, you know, Peyton Turner there. Stephon and Anthony. Like, that's going to get, like, a lot of uh, attention. But the fact is, you know, those guys have still been productive. They haven't been they haven't washed out. You can look around the league and find guys that, that two years later aren't even on the team that drafted them. Yeah. Uh, the Saints haven't had that.
0: Yeah, that that's absolutely true. So remember that, and I and I prefaced this, but remember that tonight when the Saints pick at twenty nine, and you say, "What the hell are they doing?" The answer is they know what they're doing. And you know, I may say tonight, you know, by the way, here's a shameless plug. but a great segue. Bayou Bet Show tonight. We'll be live throughout the entire. First round of the draft from 6:50 p.m. until the last pick is made, certainly through the Saints pick at number 29. We will be talking to you live on these same live channels if you're watching live, and if you're listening uh, to us on anywhere, wherever you get your podcast, we will be on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube on all of our uh, social media channels. Nola.com, bet.nola.com. All right, Jerry asks. He said, "Well, it says." He says he thinks we're going to get defensive line, defensive end, and defensive tackle at 29. No trade, ups, or downs. All right, I think we're going to disagree. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. We haven't really talked in about a month or so, but I think that you're going to say the Saints are going to pick whatever the best player is on their board, and, but you, you're leaning defense. That's my guess on what you're going to say. I think the Saints are going to go offense, but let's hear what Jeff Duncan has to say.
1: Well, I don't. I don't really know, to be honest with you. I, right. mean, you I think what I think what here's the way I would characterize what I think they're going to do tonight. I think there's going to be someone in their top 15 uh, on their board, not not the NFL.com board or the ESPN board <laughs> on their board. Their top 15 that's going to be drifting down, and they're going to get in about the 20 to 22 range. Then it's it's one of their top 15 players. And there's only going to be like one or two of them left that drift down that far, and I think they're going to go get them. And I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think they know who it's going to be, but it's going to be somebody. So it could be an offensive guy. It could be somebody like a, a, a highly rated tight end that they like. That all of a sudden they've got a first round grade on it. And this is the other thing I want to emphasize to people: forget the the, the rankings one through thirty and one through. That's not how it works in the NFL. The, the way it works is the grade. And they'll have like 15 players with basically the same grade. There might be one or two guys at the very top that have a, a, a higher grade. And that grade would say, this guy's going to, we think he's going to be a Pro Bowl level talent. Very few of those guys are graded at that level. For the most part, you got first round graded players. There could be 15 of those. And then there's going to be from 16 to 30 to 40 guys that have like end of first round, second round grades. They're all the same grade, basically. Minor adjustments, but for the most part, they're the same graded player. They think they're going to end up with the same level of career in the NFL. So that's when need comes in is when you get to pick 29 and you've got five guys that are all with the same grade. They're all the same level of, of, of predictable success in the NFL. That's when you lean into the, where do we need the most help. They're all the same level player. So let's take the defensive tackle here. Now, that, there may not be a defensive tackle there. Then you end up taking whatever else you need. But that's just how the, the draft works. It's not about the guy at one is way better than the guy at 12. For the most part, there's a very minor difference between those guys.
0: That makes sense and why we, why it's hard to, even harder than usual, right? If the Saints are picking at 29, it's harder than even usual to predict even what position – or which side of the ball they might take because, like you say, they don't know and they go by their board and, you know, whatever they think is, is if somebody falls to a certain spot, they they go up and get them. That's why it's so hard to pick what the Saints are going to pick. It's impossible to do.
1: And, and look, a lot of times, you know, they're trying to trade and go get a guy and they can't find a trade partner. Yeah. They can't make it happen. Uh, you know, that's happened in the past a couple of times where, they tried to trade up and, and haven't had have the ammunition or the the willing trade partner to make the move and and they've ended up taking a guy. like Anders Pete was a good example. They took Andres Pete because the guy they wanted to they wanted take Brandon Sheriff, right? Yeah, the guy. Well, the guy they wanted to take was taken right before them, and they couldn't trade down. They tried to trade down. A lot is made about the Saints never trading down. A lot of times they've tried to, right? You no, know, two particular times they have tried to trade down. They just nobody wanted to trade with them. Nobody wanted right. to come up to their spot because they didn't have a guy they wanted. So there's just so many circumstances involved here. Cesar Ruiz was a good example. They took him. I know they were, they were really interested in the linebacker. I think his name's Murray from Oklahoma. Hmm. Uh, that's who they really were targeting, and he got taken right before them. I think someone traded up and took him, and they, they defaulted to their board and took, a, took Cesar Ruiz. One not that they didn't like him, but that's not who they – if Murray would have been there, they would have taken him. So there's there's a lot that goes on that uh, I think people think there's this grand plan, but what this last two weeks have been about is going through all the different possibilities because you want to have every decision already played out in these weeks ahead of time so you're not having to make it in the 15 minutes under pressure on, on the clock. It's already been played out on last Wednesday or Thursday night at Airline Drive.
0: You know it's funny because how many times as fans do you sit at home and say, "What are they doing there?" Or you know why don't they trade down? Or if you're sitting at 29 and some guy we've been talking about that would be perfect for the team, us as just Joe Blow, you know sitting here on a on a podcast saying they should take X player and at 24, 25 he's still there. He slipped from 15 to, to 24, 25, and the Saints don't do anything. But it's like you say they have their board. They've gone through every scenario before. We just don't know what their scenarios are. We don't know what their we don't necessarily know what their grades are. And it, it's interesting that you talk about that. You know, they may sometimes it just may not happen for them where they tried to trade up, they couldn't find a partner. or they, they tried to trade down and couldn't find a partner. I mean, we don't know what's going on in there.
1: They also know a lot more about these prospects than any of us know.
0: Yes, for and, sure. And you know,
1: I'll give you a good example. I remember just about a month ago maybe it was longer, maybe two months ago, Todd McShay tweeted out about Jalen Carter, if you remember, saying that some teams are going to be scared off of him because of his off-field concerns. And Todd McShay got destroyed on social media because nothing had come out yet about Jalen Carter. And people were attacking him. And I remember sitting there watching this brush fire play out, as usual, on social media. And I'm thinking, I know Todd McShay. Todd McShay's got great sources. He talks to general managers and scouts all over the league. He knows something about Jalen Carter. And sure enough, it all came out later on. Now it's all out there. But the point is, uh, these, they, these teams do such exhaustive background checks. They know everything. And they know guys that aren't going to practice hard. Guys, I, I tell you one of the things the Saints look at very hard, and it's something that the Pelicans might want to look into, is, um, you know, who's going to fall into the temptation of New Orleans? Uh, you know, this is a city, as we all know, we love it. But you can find trouble on Monday night. Easily. You can go out every night here till 3 or 4 a.m. if you want. And we all love that about the city because we have friends and family that come in and you can always find a scene. But the Saints really look hard into that. Who's going to be tempted? Who's actually going to be into their job? Who's going to take it seriously? Who cares about being a pro? who loves football, loves nerding out on preparation. All that stuff is stuff that the Saints try to decipher in a prospect. That's why they get these guys that really you know, don't have the off-field concerns for the most part, especially high in the draft. They, they, that's something they look into very seriously.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Saints are clearly, that has been their M.O. the last 15, 16 years. They just don't bring someone in the building that they think, could be a problem Uh, sometimes it happens and it is what it is but uh that's just who they are and so they may pass on a guy because they don't think that he fits in here um as far as his you know personality or whatever he's got going on outside of football um and that happens all the time and we we talk about that here on the show Jim Derry Jeff Duncan here on a Thursday morning of Dattitude and a long day of shows here on the channel um, again tonight at 6:50 p.m. We're gonna have a draft show. Dunk is gonna be part of it. In and out, he'll be he'll be on at some point. All of our Saints writers and Saints columnists are gonna be on at some point. Spencer Urquhart's gonna be at Saints camp um, doing that. And then we're gonna have uh, back at uh, at the at the mothership, whatever you wanna call it, remote control, whatever you wanna call it. Uh, Zach Ewing and I will be uh, talking about the draft all night long. And man, let me tell you, Zach has put a not that I haven't, too, but Zach has put a ton of work into the show tonight. So uh, we have slides on, like, the top 50, 55 guys. Um, we've got all kinds of great charts to show you and things to talk about. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. you got about another 20 minutes or so to, uh, to get in any comment or question that you may have here on the show while we're live. And we have one here from Jasper Bowden, Dunk, who says... Can y'all see us trading Paulson to move up in the draft since we have Taylor?
1: No, I'd be surprised. I mean, I think they really like Paulson Adebo. I think they like their young corners. Uh, Those guys are on rookie contracts, so they're cost-effective right now, roster building, and you can never have enough good corners. I think that's the one position, J.D., that I think they're in pretty good shape on. Now, you always can take a corner, but – I'd be surprised if they took one high uh, because I and think a they like Taylor and Adebo, and obviously you've got Marshawn Lattimore, a pro bowler. Uh, you've got yeah. pretty good depth at that position. So I could see them addressing it mid-round maybe, but I think the, I think the front seven and the offensive line, uh, I think those positions, especially interior, I think that the Saints could easily draft a guard at number 29. 100%. And- Saints fans will fall out of their chairs. But uh, if you look at it, uh, you know, there was a little bit of cryptic uh, messaging, I thought, yesterday when Mickey Loomis said, one, wouldn't answer about whether they would pick up the fifth-year option on Cesar Ruiz. We know Andres Pete is basically here for this year, and he's probably gone. So you're looking at 2024
0: almost certainly
1: needing a starting guard. That's how these things work. I try to emphasize this to people all the time. Don't think of just 2023. Every, we all tend to start myopically looking at the depth chart and the roster, and plugging holes with this draft and thinking, "Oh, they need a, a defensive tackle, so they're going to take one." That's not how these executives look at it. They look two and three years down the road, what the what the depth chart looks like, and they're looking at guys like uh, Andres Pete and Caesar Ruiz. And they're probably not going to be here in 2024. Cam Jordan might not be here then. The Mario Davis might not be here then. Who's going to be the starter? That's why I think those positions, linebackers, end, even safety, uh, they're thinking, who's going to be the replacement for Tyran Matthew in two years? We might as well get him on board now get him in the system.
0: No Cam Jordan, no Demario Davis. That's blasphemy, Jeff Duncan. You can't say that kind of stuff. It's all, all
1: about here. like down the road. They're, they're thinking three or four years out, not just – Who's going to be lining up in the opener against the Falcons or who going to
0: play? Well, especially Cam Jordan. He better never play one down for another team. I don't care what happens, you know, and here's the fan coming out in me. They better not let him play one down for another team. Demario Davis is one thing. He didn't start here. He didn't grow up here. Now he became the Demario Davis that we all know here. So that would hurt, but uh, you can't let Cameron Jordan play somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. He should retire a saint, and I think he will. I think he's highly valued in the building. And the way they've re- been restructuring his contracts every year, they almost have yeah. to keep him
0: because yeah, if they right. ever
1: traded or cut him, I mean, it would be a huge cap hit. Uh, so I think they're counting on him retiring a saint.
0: Jim Derry, Jeff Duncan here on Dattitude this morning, on this Thursday morning, April the 27th. Um, look, I think that I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I my opinion has changed. Not that my opinion means a whole bunch of diddly squat, but uh, – I have gone from you know saying, "Well, this was back when we hoped Bijan Robinson would make it this far." Because until about two weeks ago, it looked like Bijan Robinson would, would make it, might make it to twenty nine. Right now, there's almost no chance that he'll make it that this this far as the boards change, and we see now that he could go even in the top ten. He could be playing against the Saints every year. Uh, yeah. there's a chance that takes goes
1: Falcons. I, I've thought about this scenario, JD, and you you growing up here and being a diehard Saints guy. What if the Carolina Panthers take, as we all expect, Bryce Young tonight, Yeah. Falcons take Bijan Robinson at number eight? I think all of a sudden, I mean, we've all just been saying the Saints are going to win this division. I'm not 100% sold on that. I think it's a would be a three-team fight between those three. I think Tampa is going to finish last.
0: And oh, I think that's, I think that's you, clear that they're the worst. When
1: you start team looking division. at what Atlanta's done this offseason, they've gotten a lot better. I know they're still going to be struggling at quarterback, and I think that is their biggest issue. But when you start adding playmakers, like if you had Bijan Robinson, you already have Algier, the running back last year. who
0: Algier, who, yeah.
1: Yeah, Algier. I'm sorry, ran through the Saints, ran roughshod through them yeah, last he's year. he's going to be really good. You've got Pitts, the young tight end, who's, you know, I think going to be a Pro Bowl talent. They brought in David Njoku. They got Drake London.
0: As I was gonna say, you've got that first-round draft pick from last year, Drake London.
1: That's what I'm saying. They've got – Better, I think, skill position players than the Saints do if they were to bring in Bijan Robinson. They've got a lot of. If you're a Falcons fan, and they've solidified their offensive line, and then they tried to address some defensive weaknesses by, you know, bringing in Kaye Campbell and uh, you know Bud Dupree, and they traded for uh, uh, the the corner from uh, Detroit. I'm forgetting it uh, yeah, I know you it. The you're point doing. is, they've done a lot of work, and, and I think they're a yeah. lot better roster than they were a year ago. And uh, I certainly think a lot of Bryce Young. I think he's the rare guy that could come in as a rookie and be a difference. I, I
0: agree wholeheartedly. That's I the think Carolina is
1: going to be very
0: That's very the team. To me, that's the team that the Saints should be worried about more than any other because the the Panthers already have a pretty darn good defense. They were number two in the league two years ago. Um, so you, you come to now, and if, I think last year they were 14th or 15th, but they had a lot of other issues, including coaching was just – It was a crapshoot because, obviously, they went up and down. They fired their coach midway through the season. Should have never made it into the season, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, and then you have Steve Wilkes, and you don't know what to do with him. And should they have kept him? Maybe. But I I like Frank Reich. And I think that Bryce Young is going to make a major difference for that team. I know people kind of laugh at me when I say this. But I think Bryce Young is the next Drew Brees. and, And I don't like to throw labels on kids like this early. But I look at that kid, and that's what I see. I yep. mean, I really think he's going to be the next Drew breeze, and I certainly think he's going to be in this league for a long, long time and be a thorn in the Saints' side for a long time.
1: 100% agree with you. I could not agree more. I think he's going to be a, a star player in the league. Uh, you know, right? look, the one thing that could, that could happen is he could get hurt. I think yeah. that's the only thing that prevents him. They've got to really – when you know you've got an undersized guy like that, you've got to do like the Saints did with Breeze and that is the best build up a wall in front yeah. of him, invest in the offensive line, keep him clean. But the, he's a lot like Breeze in that he's so smart. He's a step ahead of the defense. He gets the ball out quick. He's just very – he's a step ahead of everybody else. And I think I think they can be very good very quickly.
0: There's a little uh, – you know, you can see how the slides – we have slides yeah, I like, like this for every player uh, that's going to be drafted tonight unless somebody weird goes. But anyway – I thought I'd throw that up there. If you, if you can't see it and you're listening to the podcast, we have a slide for our Bayou Bet show that happens to be, we use the same channel. Sorry. Already got Sorry.
1: the Panthers taking him. I like yeah. it.
0: Well, I mean, look, I made a bet yesterday. He was still minus 1,000 on the board to be the first pick of the draft. By the way, this morning he was minus 2,000. And by the way, if you don't bet, that means he's 10 to 1, or 1 to 10, I should say, to be taken in a position. So I bet 100 bucks to win 10 bucks that he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Free 10 yesterday. bucks, buddy. Free 10 exactly. bucks. I, I, that's what I said. I like free money. So I'll take free money. I don't care if it's 10 bucks. Give me some free money. I'll take it. Bryce Young is going number one, and he's going to be a thorn in the Saints' butt for a, a long time. You go, going back to what you talk about with the Falcons, um, here's my problem with them besides the fact that they're the Falcons and I never give them credit for anything. Um, I don't think Arthur Smith has what it takes. Okay, first off, that's number one. Number two... You talk about all their skill positions, and I agree with you. I think that – I think – I don't know why they would – I mean, I guess I know why everyone wanted B. John Robinson. I don't think they should be desperate enough to take B. John Robinson with their first pick at number eight because I think they're okay there. I don't think they're great there, but I think they're okay there. That's something for later, in my opinion. Um, wide receiver, they're pretty good. Tight end, they're as good as anybody in the league. I think they need help at offensive line because I think when you have – Basically, a rookie quarterback in Desmond Ritter who played four games last year um, and obviously needs all the help he can get. If this guy is going to be a star in the NFL, and to me, basically, this year is an experiment uh, because I think you have to go into this season with him as your quarterback. Unless for some weird reason, like, C.J. Stroud falls to you at 8th then you have, you're in a quandary and maybe you trade down or right. something. But, you know, this is the kind of team that needs to get, like, a Paris Campbell, right? Or a Peter Skaronski, or, or whatever. They need help along their front, and they need an anchor, and they need someone that's going to be there for the next 10 to 12 years, in my opinion.
1: Well, I think they've gotten better on the offensive line. Some of those guys, like Lindstrom, I mean, those guys have panned out. They, they were struggling. It's, it's really a good lesson for everyone. Uh, those two rookie offensive linemen they took a couple of years ago really struggled their first year. A lot of people were panning them, saying they were busts, and both right. of them last year played very well. And I think they're only going to keep getting better. I, I think they're fine at left tackle. Now, down the road, you might want to find a replacement, but I think they're okay there. Don't they still have um, Matthews there? Have, yes. Yeah, you know, he's 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 serviceable. He's been pretty solid for years. I think they're better up front, but the area they really need help, I think, is pass rush. It, it seems like forever they've needed pass rush help. They've never been able to solve it. I think getting Ryan Nielsen there, they'll be better just because he's a, he's a better coach. I think he'll get more out of that defensive line, but I think you get a guy like Robinson, almost every analyst thinks is one of the five best players in the whole draft, but he
0: Sometimes just jumped up dunk though. He, he I mean, two weeks, like we said, two weeks ago, we thought there was a chance he would still be there when the saints picked a 20.
1: Like nobody, 29. nobody thought he was not one of the five best players in the draft. That's been going on for months. Right. That he's one of the five best players. This, and a lot of this is just, we, we got two months of people talking about That's the draft a lot of in air, I think Robinson's the kind of guy. I, I can remember back. Uh, I, I tell this story before, but like the year that the Saints took Deuce McAllister, I remember the day before the draft talking to Randy Mueller. This is back when was the Joe three talked to you on the phone. Two? The day before, uh, two thousand two, I think. Two. And we were talking. The Saints were down at I think number twenty-two or twenty-three yeah. in the first round, and everyone was speculating they'd take a quarterback. Never no, thought they'd take back. a
0: running back with Ricky Williams in the football.
1: Nobody thought running back. And I remember the day before the draft, Randy telling me, what do, you, what, what do we do if if the running back from Ole Miss is on the board at 23? And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no way he's going to be there. I remember everyone had him going in the top 10 or 11. I think the 49ers were where everybody projected him. And right. Randy made a good point. He goes, if he gets by the 49ers at 11, he could easily follow us. And he And he's right because I started looking at the other – teams, and they yeah, all they had really good run running backs, right. yeah. and it's exactly what happened, and they took him, and I remember putting him in our, our our little bubble of players that could go to him, that night, I put him in there, and I looked like a genius, because no one had him going number 11, going, going that far down the draft, and the Saints took him, they didn't really need him, but he was so good, and they were able to trade Ricky Williams, Deuce became the all-time leading runner in the history of the franchise, and it worked out, even though they didn't really need him, he was... He was too damn good to pass up. I think you know, that could be what the, the, the case is with B. John Robinson. I, I, re- I
0: remember thinking uh, when they picked Deuce, and it's hard to remember this because he was so damn good, so it's hard to remember anything negative. But I remember them taking Deuce, and I'm like, well, he's a great player, but what the hell are we going to do with him? Um, and I, re- if you remember correctly, Dunk, that first year, it might have been the first two years, but it was definitely the first year,
1: they had trouble finding a way to get him in the game. Only played. He was mainly a kickoff returner. Uh, played on punt returns. I'll never forget what happened. They, they were playing the Falcons. I was covering the yeah, game. That's right. In Atlanta, it was the last game of the year, and maybe the second or third uh, it was, late, it was Late, in very year. late in the season. They gave him the ball on a play, and he went took it to yep. the house. They were, I think they were getting beat. I think they lost the game. Yeah, but I think you're right. He went like fifty something yards, and Jim Haslett later told me. He didn't tell me this at the time. He later told me they they were all. Watching that play in the film room, like days later, and said, "This is the best running back we have." There's no way Ricky Williams could do that. They—that's what sparked them to trade Ricky Williams. Well, besides
0: that- him being Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers, right? People don't remember, especially younger people. Ricky Williams was a special kind of cat. I mean, yeah. he was like Aaron Rodgers off doing his um, um or whatever the heck he was doing. He would disappear for a month. Yeah, like literally disappear. No one would even know where he was. It was a lot easier to disappear twenty years ago. Um, yeah, he was a
1: good player, but you also have to think about it. Randy Mueller, Jim Haslett weren't married to him. Mike Ditka was married to him. Yeah, they came literally, in, literally, literally. over uh, the up, the bride gown and everything. It was easy for them to move on from Ricky. Uh, Ricky ended up having a good career, but like it, he didn't fit the culture of what they wanted in their locker room.
0: Yeah, there's no question about that. Jim Derry and Jeff Duncan here on this Thursday morning as we prepare, prepare for the NFL draft. Saints picking at number 29. Um, you know, I want to show this graphic, and we kind of like talked about, you know, we, we, we just basically said, we don't know what the hell the Saints are going to do tonight. But here's my thing. I think one of those players that the Saints are going to draft are on this board somewhere. The problem is if you look at defensive line, edge, and interior on the left-hand side, I think all seven of those players Except maybe they talk about Nolan Smith dropping, and dropping, and dropping a little bit. He may still be there. But if you look at the, that list on the left, Dunk, I think most of those players are going to be gone by the time the Saints draft. I, do too. I, I think what the Saints are going to get is somewhere else on this list, which makes me focus on offensive line. And I've been saying lately, I think the Saints are going to get a guy like Anton Harrison, who is like on the fringe of – I'm not saying it's necessarily gonna be him, but I think it's somebody on the along the offensive line, and the Saints need help there. Obviously, um, you know, what do you think of this list? Maybe well, wide I, receiver as well.
1: I love the list. I think you're exactly right. The guy that I've kind of fallen in love with, I tweeted about a little while ago. That the more I, I, I read about him, the more I researched him, the more I think this could be the guy that they go get, and that's that Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. I think. He kind of fits exactly yeah. what they look for in a defensive lineman. He's capable of playing inside and outside, so he's versatile. Sure. Dennis Allen loves those kind of guys. I know they really would like to get a three technique somewhere in this draft. The two guys that they signed in free agency, Saunders and uh, Nathan Shepard, they're really not three techniques. They're more run stuffer, defensive yeah. tackle. They need them. They need a, a Leroy Glover type of difference maker. Of course, everybody – wants a Leroy Glover type of difference maker inside. But it's got to be the right fit. And that's why I've downgraded Kalijah Clancy because he just doesn't fit their prototype. He's a playmaker. And he may be an exception that they take. Uh, I could see where they just look at him and say, this guy's not going to start for us, but he's so exceptional rush- rushing the passer and getting in the backfield. We'll use him as basically like a rotational pass rusher and it's worth it to us to get that aspect on our team. It's more about the trait than it is about uh, whether he's going to play a number of snaps. But Van Ness is the kind of guy where I think he could start and he's only going to get better. He's only—he's a basically a redshirt sophomore from Iowa. He's strong as an ox. He's basically an interior version of Trey Hendrickson. It, it, when I read about him, he wins with effort. He just grinds people down with strength. You know, when you watch Trey Hendrickson, you're not seeing some guy blow by defensive ends. But every year, he ends up with double-digit sacks, and he just just brings it every play. That's what I think this Van Ness guy would bring to the Saints, and I think he could play, uh, you know, inside and outside, which I know that they love. And I just – I think that's the kind of guy, if he's around, still on the board in the early 20s. uh, And I'm just speculating. I haven't talked to anybody. I've been so buried in the Gleason book, as you know – I haven't really done as much due diligence, but just knowing how they operate, I can see them saying, let's go get that guy, plug him in. May not start right away, but he'll be a guy two or three years down the road. That's a core player for us.
0: Lucas Van Ness. Currently I have the ESPN board is up on my other screen. As we speak, it just happens to be up because I was working on some other draft stuff before we get started. But, um, Lucas Van Ness currently projected to be 15th. I've seen him anywhere from about 11th to 17th. That's kind of low from where I, I've seen him. But uh, Dunk, so he's the kind of guy where you could easily see the Saints, if he starts creeping down and he gets to around right. 21, one of those guys you were talking about earlier where, okay, this is one of the one or two guys that we have graded, you know, super high Pro Bowl bound that we're going to trade up and, and get him.
1: Yep, exactly that kind of guy. Now you know who you got to have a willing trade partner. The good thing for the Saints is this draft; it almost dictates that the Saints trade up because, as I said earlier, there's only about 15 players I think that really have true right. first-round grades, and uh, then it really gets murky. The guy that you know goes 17 in this draft will probably be graded very similarly to the guy that goes midway through the second or third, you know, second round, even late in the second round. It's not going to be a big difference. And especially for the Saints, when you, we, we've talked at length about prototypes, right? Maybe right? the Saints don't believe in these exceptions. Well, when you start looking around 29, there's a bunch of these guys that would be exceptions for the Saints, uh, that being uh, Kalijah Kansi. He, he's, he's small. I mean, he's, small, he's smaller than uh, Sheldon Rankin's by a lot, 18 pounds. Uh, so the Saints would look at him as more of like a situational player, I think. Uh, same thing with McDonald from Iowa State. They don't, they're not Saints aren't into these like smaller edge guys that rush the passer. That's just not what they do. That doesn't fit their system. A guy like Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Bama, yes, is small by Saints standards. Alvin Kamara ish. He's smaller than Alvin even. So like that Ty J Spears is small by Saints standards. Yeah, but he's a third round guy, maybe not a first round. So what I'm saying is, if they sit there at 29, they're going to have a tough decision. They're going to either have to take an exception or I think they fall back, like you were saying, and take a big offensive lineman, knowing that it's a safe pick and he's going to be a core player for a while.
0: You can look, it's hard to me. It's hard to go wrong if you take an offensive lineman in the first round. I mean, we joke about Andrus Pete. Well, you don't. You don't joke about anybody. You you never talk bad about anyone. But, uh, you know, I joke about Andrus Pete and others have across their shows. But, you know, joking about a guy who, and I know he's had his injury troubles, but you got to remember, he was drafted in the 2015 draft. We're in 2023 now, and he's still a starting lineman, offensive lineman for the Saints. Whenever you get a guy that's a starter for eight or nine seasons, you can joke about him all you want. and meets the dudes pretty damn good. Yeah, I
1: agree. I mean, he's been productive. He's not a bust. Put it that way. Correct. He, you know, he you may can't not have, be a
0: bust if you start for eight or nine seasons in the NFL.
1: Right now, I would argue that you know he the Saints overpaid for him recently when they gave him that second contract. I don't yep. know what they were thinking. I would
0: go beyond in some argue
1: ways. That. The Saints have been stuck with a couple of these guys. One of the things that I think, uh, you know, and this is for another show, another time. But you, you know, a, a lot of this stuff the Saints are bringing on themselves when they restructure these deals. Yep, they're they're basically stuck with these players that you know, they've got to bring back. I mean, that's basically the case with Jameis Winston. That's the case with Andres Pete. They're basically married to him because of the way they uh, you know, structured the contracts and their, their, their cap issues have forced them to restructure deals. It basically handcuffs them, what they can do with the player. And so I think there are consequences sometimes the way the Saints do business that are a little too nuanced for people to recognize. Uh, just because they've got Jameis Winston back here doesn't mean they love him. It means they kind of name any other options.
0: Well, you know, there could be worse things, you know, worse things than having in my opinion probably the best backup quarterback in the league. So, I mean, there could be a lot of worse things. By the way, completely off topic, I saw this earlier, Jerry's posted and so I'll put it up there. RIP Jerry Springer. Jerry yes. Springer passed away this morning, the former wasn't he the mayor of Cincinnati, Cincinnati or something? Cincinnati rep, yes. Uh, of course Obviously, later known for a lot of other things. But, uh, man, I'm getting old. Jerry Springer's passing away. Um, a tweet from this morning I thought was apropos, then more than anything. Ian Rappaport, and I know you know rap, uh a little bit. In the words of one GM, it's, quote, the most unpredictable draft in forever. Welcome to draft day. I couldn't agree more, Dunk. I think this is going to be one of those drafts where, you know, last year I remember thinking, Okay, I don't think there's going to be a whole ton of surprises. And as far as NFL draft purposes go, it was one of the more predictable drafts, right? Especially for the Saints. I mean, a lot of people had the Saints spot on. They had both picks right. And I don't know if you were one of those or not, but it was not that hard. In fact, by Saints standards, it was probably the most predictable draft they've had in the, since Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis had gotten in. I know Sean Payton was gone. But uh, this this. Tonight, and I'm not just talking about the Saints, I'm talking about the entire night. I think it's going to be a crazy, wild, insane night where all, all kinds of fireworks are going off.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think once we get past Bryce Young to the Panthers. Yeah, I think right after face. one.
0: I don't know that the Texans will keep their pick.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it, it could be trade central, moving around. And that's why I think the Saints, you know, Mickey Loomis said, hey, we've got eight picks for now. That was the first thing That's he right, said. for now. So what he's basically telling the rest of the league is we're, we're in business. You know, give us a call. And we're That's hearing right. a lot of teams want to trade down. And the Saints always want to trade up. So I will be shocked yeah. if they sit at 29. I, I'll be stunned. It just means that they couldn't make a deal. and it, That's it right. All because I think they will definitely try to move up, use some of those assets. But Mickey did say he doesn't think they've got the ammunition to move up very far. So with that reading between the lines, for me, that means he doesn't want to move off those second and third round picks. And that's smart because in this draft, it's about 100 players deep. In other words, you can get starting quality players in the second and third round of this draft. I don't think the Saints want to give up those picks. And to to get up very high, you'd have to, to get up into, say, the teams. You'd have to give up at least that third rounder. So it sounds to me like they, they they really don't want to do that. Maybe they go into a future year. But if they only can use one of their fifth, sixth-round picks, you're not going to get up very far from 29. That's going to limit them. That's why I think he's he's being honest when he says that. He doesn't know how far up they can go.
0: We've got about ten more minutes in this show. So if you want to get a comment or a question, and now is the, is the time. And, again, tonight beginning at six 6.50 p.m., On all these same channels that you're watching this show on, uh, we will have our live Bayou Bets draft show. Um, We will go live from 6.50 and through the end of the first round tonight, so it's going to be a four or five hour show. Uh, Zach Ewing and I will be anchoring it. Everyone on staff, everyone on the entire uh, Advocate, Times McKeown, NOAA.com staff is going to be on pretty much at some point tonight if they have anything to do with the Saints. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that starts uh, tonight, when the first round starts, um, okay, so you saying that dunk that that tells me that you know they 're going to hold on to their second or third round pick, okay so that 's what, what you 're basically I'm not hundred percent
1: sure of that no, I mean, I just think that they would prefer to hang on to it.
0: okay, so with that being said, that leads me into the question that i didn 't know if we were going to get to or not i didn 't put it down as one of the questions I was going to ask, but I was thinking about it last night if it if there came a time to ask it, I would so here it is um. With the second-round pick, there's been a lot of talk of, of, of Hendon Hooker and, and the like. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that fall to me. Well, not a lot, but there's a few quarterbacks that fall into that range where at 40 they might still be available. Right now the over-under on Hendon Hooker is 30, uh, 30.5. But, you know, when you get to that point, it easily could fall to 40, which is where the Saints pick uh, their, their next pick out 29. I think there's zero chance that the Saints would take a quarterback in the first round. That's my opinion. I think they'd be foolish, silly. I don't see that as anything they would do. However, even though I don't think they should, doesn't matter what I think, I think that there's a possibility that they would take one in the second round. What are your thoughts on uh, the possibilities of the Saints taking a quarterback in the second or third round of this draft?
1: Yeah, I would be surprised that high. I think maybe day three, I could see that definitely happening, a developmental player. I mean, look, they've got Derek Carr under contract for at least two years, uh, James Winston's Likely here for at least more. another year. Uh, they don't really have a crying knee. That's why I think a lot of people have, have pointed them to Hinden Hooker because Hendon Hooker is basically going to redshirt this year wherever he goes. That's right. He can't he's even play off, until October November. Yeah, he's coming off a knee injury. Uh, so he's going to go to a team that doesn't need a quarterback. Uh, but uh, the Saints, I think, once they got Derek Carr, their need for a, a long-term answer quarterback, I think, lessened uh, where they could address it on day three. Uh, I certainly think that streak of uh, going back to Archie Manning, 1971. Yeah, that's intact. Uh, it's going to be extended.
0: Yeah. The, for those who don't know what, what do talking about. And, uh, the saints have, I don't know. I think it's the only quarterback they've ever drafted in the first round of a draft. I know it is the only quarterback that the, the streak is alive. 1971 is the last time the saints have drafted a quarterback in the first round. That was Archie Manning. And, uh, it's not going to happen tonight.
1: And no one, no one else in the league is even close to that. I mean, it's it's mind boggling
0: that well,
1: how how much of an outlier the Saints are compared to everybody else. Well, in that before, regard.
0: You know, what's funny is before Drew Brees, uh, you think about the quarterback list that's gone through this place. We were spoiled here for 15 years because uh, to me, Derek Carr. I, I I know this is going out there for people who think that a franchise that has been along for 55 years, been around 55 seasons, that I could say this. But I think Derek Carr has an excellent chance, sorry Bobby Bear, to be the second best quarterback that has ever played for this team. Um, That's really not saying all that much. He doesn't have to do all that much, to be honest, because we forget how many quarterbacks this franchise has been through and how many quarterbacks either at the tail end of their career or they just didn't pan out or they weren't that great. And man... It was some rough times before 2006.
1: Well, you think about it this way, J.D., uh, after Breeze, they, they've used basically Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and now Derek Carr. All three of those guys were first-round draft picks. Yeah. So in their mind, they're just going about acquiring quarterback talent in a different way as opposed to the draft. Now, I personally think sometimes you've got to go invest in a rookie quarterback and develop them. Uh, but sometimes the best way to do that is when you already have a good quarterback. Uh, you know, the the Panther, uh, the Packers are the greatest example of that. Over the years with Ron yeah. Wolf, they would take Mark Brunel and Aaron Brooks, and you know Hasselbeck. They they, they drafted quarterbacks when they already had Brett Favre and developed them, and then they would trade them or
0: Aaron Rodgers worked out.
1: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they they've done a great job. Now you're looking at Jordan Love finally paying off of them. They, they basically had him sitting on. Uh, on the bench in mock balls for, for three seasons.
0: By the way, I meant no disrespect to Archie Manning whatsoever when I say that Derek Carr could be the second-best quarterback. Had Archie Manning played for, and I, and I know the old people out there, like me, and I'm including myself and the old people, but, uh, you know, you think about the people who were fans of the Saints back way back when. Um, had Archie Manning played for a real team, Archie Manning would be in the Hall of Fame. That's just my opinion. So I meant no disrespect to the, to the great number eight. Uh, there when I said that. All right. Um, you know, we talk about the surprises that could happen tonight. And while they're unpredictable, um, you know, if we had an over under trade potential, like how many trades do you think we're going to see in the first round tonight?
1: Wow. That's a great one. Is there, a, I wonder if there's a prop bet on that. That'd be a I good. think
0: there is actually, I'm going to have to go look yeah. for it, but I think, I think there is. And I, I'd, I'd want to say it's around the, if I had to make a number up out of the, the off my top of my head, I'd say 5.5 would be my number.
1: Yeah, I was going to say about 6. It's funny. I was going I think about 6 would be about right because there's so many teams I think that are in the trade market. We also have a lot of teams with multiple picks and that always yes. that always plays into the trade value. I think these quarterbacks, I'm fascinated to see how the quarterback So am I. Uh, thing plays out. I mean, we've heard so much smoke lately about Will Levis. Uh oh, I may be wrong, maybe my biasism Maybe my bias is a Louisville Cardinals coming in here, He's but no bias. I just never thought he was that good. He's I don't not. Know. He's Hilly, not good. Anthony Richardson, both. I watch a lot of. He's NCAA not good football. either. I, I don't get it, man. I, I do not get it. Maybe the league is passing me by, but I'll be shocked if those guys end up being elite-level quarterbacks.
0: You know, it boggles the mind, both of them. I think uh, Levis is is just, if you watch him the last part of the year, now I thought he looked really good the first half of the year, but a lot of it was against not even average competition, right? And then I don't get the Anthony Richardson thing at all. He he He's an awful passer. Like, if you want to compare him, and I guess you would compare him if you had to compare to the likes of a certain player, I know someone's looking for the next Lamar Smith. I mean, Lamar Jackson, sorry. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Someone's looking for the next Lamar Jackson. But the problem with Anthony Richardson is he can't throw nearly as well as Lamar Jackson. and Lamar Jackson's an average at best passer. I mean, so I don't think he has the legs that Lamar Jackson has. And I certainly don't think he has the arm that Lamar Jackson has. And you're talking about a project kind of player that I think would need to be in the NFL and be in an NFL training room, uh, film room or whatever and with NFL coaches for a little while, so do you really want to take someone at the top of your the top of the draft who really essentially that's reserved for a starter? I mean, a, an immediate starter. I, I don't see it.
1: Yeah, so. and here, here's the difference. I would say and you make a great point. I mean, I remember clearly being a Louisville guy when Lamar Jackson came in. He was a big recruit, but he wasn't like you know Arch Manning or anything. But he was a big recruit for Louisville, right? And he came in. They already had some established quarterbacks in the system. That you know, so there was basically a, a quarterback competition that that fall, and he was a true freshman in there, and everyone kind of thought he's going to sit for a year and learn. And I just remember early on in those scrimmages, Bobby Petrino going, "This cat is different," like, and he inserted him in right away as the starting quarterback. As well, he should have. He, he was productive right away. I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy, led Louisville to. Great heights. They were top five team at one point. Yeah. That's a big difference from what Anthony Richardson did. Anthony Richardson was a project in college. So what do you think he's going to be like in the pros where it's much more sophisticated, much more difficult? The the defenses are so much more, uh, you know, sophisticated what they're going to throw at him. I, I don't see it, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people compared him to Cam Newton. Cam Newton took his team to a national
0: championship. No, oh, I mean I know he's six four, and I get that. And so he's obviously bigger than Lamar Jackson. And it, you want to compare him to Cam Newton? Go ahead, but I, I don't understand it at all. And if you, you know, I'm trying to call up his stats right here. My computer's not working that great. Um, he threw 17 touchdown passes. He did throw for 2,500 yards, which is more than I thought he threw for. And I don't have the number up here, but I know he threw for a significant amount of interceptions. I want to say it's in the neighborhood of 13 or 14. So you throw that many interceptions in a season, when your touchdown number and your interception number are relatively close, and I would say that's relatively close,
1: that's just crazy,
0: in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think sometimes I think, and I know this goes on in some corners, sometimes I think because we've gotten so uh, you know, we lean on this in business. There's so much hype and so much coverage about the draft that we, you know, we allow these personnel evaluators and coaches to speak off the record. So nobody puts a name yeah. to, him. and I think a lot of times these teams that don't want Anthony Richardson will build him up. Yeah. So someone I else. Agree takes wholeheartedly.
0: The saints were famous at that. They yes.
1: were, uh, my, here was
0: my thing for the past. while well, whenever Sean Payton was here, if the saints were talking about a player, before the draft, you could bet your sweet Bippy that they were not taking him. They were never going to talk about a player that they had any interest in whatsoever. And that's been the MO of the Saints. You know, oh, they're talking about, I don't know, they're talking about Matt Ryan today. Well, they ain't taking Matt Ryan because they wouldn't be talking about him if they were taking him. And then you could – it took me about two years to figure that out. If they were talking about any player or any player was being hyped up to go to the Saints – he wasn't going to the Saints, so
1: yeah, especially at a quarterback when they had Drew Brees because they knew they didn't need correct quarterback. Correct. So they would gladly let someone else take a bad quarterback, and they wanted that to happen.
0: All right, JT asks us, stunk, What about Stetson Bennett as a late round pick? Uh, he certainly kind of fits the mold of a, of a Saints quarterback, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, let's go back to the uh, the stuff we talked about earlier. I think they'd have trouble with him. Somebody of guy that could have. Uh, you know, be susceptible to going out in a quarter. Uh, I think uh, that would be Stetson Bennett. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's legendary. Oh, he got guy. a didn't
0: he get a DUI uh, or something?
1: Or yeah, okay? that's just the tip of the iceberg with Stetson Bennett. Oh, now, wow. this is a guy that knows he's good. He's cocky. I mean, he went in and beat out Justin Fields, you know, who was a top recruit. Uh, but won two national titles. A lot of things to like about Stetson Bennett that I think the Saints would would maybe buy into, but this is a guy you take at the right spot in the draft uh, which would be very low and so I don't think he they would be totally against him but there would be a little concerns with how you know how he's going to be off the field because of this city this market I think the guy that I liked as a is a day three potential uh, stab at quarterback is Aiden O'Connell from Purdue
0: Yeah, I agree he's, he's I like a
1: really a talented player. He's not a great, you know, mobile guy, and I know they're going more and more to mobile quarterbacks here, but um, Purdue quarterbacks have worked out. Other, what's that?
0: Purdue quarterbacks have worked out here.
1: Yeah, and he fits all the rest of the the intangibles they look for, productive, leadership skills, lives and breathes football, overachiever, all those things they look for uh, in that position, uh, I think he fits. But uh, I don't know where Aiden O'Connell is going to go. He's one of those guys you've seen. Some people have third grade, third round grade. Some people have all the way down to sixth round. So it'll be interesting did, to see.
0: Didn't Jim Everett go to Purdue? Yes. And so I'm, the, Bob I went to uh, I'm just talking about Saints quarterbacks. So they've had oh, yeah. a starting quarterback. So I thought I thought he did. So Jim Everett and Drew Brees. And Jim Everett is certainly in the top five to show you how how bad the quarterback list is. No offense to Jim Everett. He was only here for I think three or four years, but uh, Jim Everett is certainly. In, this, in the top five of all-time Saints quarterbacks. So, well, for sure. That, that That's, says
1: no, you're right. That's an indictment on the list.
0: Yeah, There's, there's no question about that.
1: Although going back, he was a pro bowler early in, in with the Rams. so
0: Yeah, no, I'm talking about just his time with the Saints. I'm not talking yeah. about his overall career. Jim right. Everett was a fine quarterback. Uh, don't call him Chrissy, but he was a fine quarterback uh, nevertheless. Um, going back to Stetson Bennett real quick, I know this because I was looking at some things last night. The odds on Stetson Bennett – to be drafted, just drafted, not not talking about where he's drafted, but just drafted or even money. So it's 50-50 on whether Stetson, ben- Stetson Bennett even gets drafted. JT, uh, no problem. Thank you for writing in. We appreciate it. Anyone that wants to write in. But we're ju- we're almost done here. Dunk. before we go, um, just talk about some of the things that you're looking for tonight, whether it be the Saints or just in the draft in general. Um, you know, one thing is the Collins. I know you're going to obviously be busy and – uh, things going on, but you're also going to be observing. It's one of the things that I know you like to do on draft night. You like to look around and, and pan the room. You don't get to see a lot of the Saints guys necessarily, but just what are you looking for tonight?
1: Well, I'll be I'll be watching what the Falcons and, and Panthers do because I think they're both uh, you know, the Saints need to look over their shoulder at those two organizations and I think uh, like we talked about earlier, talk about Bryce Young. I know Rod Walker, our colleague, is going to write on Bryce Young and the Panthers, I think it's a very smart column because I think they're going to be the team now. Just like we've had the Bucs Saints for the last few years, yeah. and that's been the big. I think it's going to be the Panthers Saints going forward. I agree. So I think that's compelling. I think what the Falcons do at number eight is going to be compelling. And then what happens with these quarterbacks? How much of it is smoke? How much of it is real? And I personally, just me personally as a, an observer, I think Bryce Young is the only sure thing of any of these quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be a great player in the league. But after that, it wouldn't surprise me. None of these guys pan out. Uh, Some of them could, but I think the quarterback situation is going to be interesting to watch.
0: Uh, And talking about that, I think, and you know, one of the weird things that came out of this little mock draft via odds list that I did um, CJ Stroud with the odds. And so look, People can say whatever they want. The people who do these odds know more than anyone. They have moles all over the place. They have more moles than Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter could ever have. I promise you. They don't lose money. They know what's going on. And so when I did this mock draft, C.J. Stroud fell out of the top ten. I think he could be the one. And, look, I've always made fun of Ohio State quarterbacks. I know I am in the vast majority when I say I don't think Justin Fields is (coughs) ever going to be a great NFL quarterback. I mean, minority. I know I'm going to, I don't think Justin Fields is ever going to be a great quarterback. And it's not because the Bears don't have an O line. I just, from what I've seen, yeah, he can, he can run great, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe, but I think, and I, I've always made fun of Ohio State quarterbacks, but I think CJ Stroud could be legit. Um, I don't think he's legit enough to take maybe in the top two or three, but if he falls out of the top tens or even to the Falcons at eight, Like I said before, they're going to have a major quandary if it's time for them to pick, and C.J. Stroud is sitting there on the board at number eight because, to me, he's the only other starter-type quarterback on this list. Forget Will Levis. Forget Anthony Richardson. C.J. Stroud is a potential 10-year kind of NFL starting quarterback, and I hope he does follow Falcons. Let him have to make a decision.
1: Well, he's the guy that I think a lot of people are targeting to Tennessee and the Titans, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, You know, they've probably got Ryan Tannehill under contract for one more year. They missed on Malik Willis. Uh, Everything I've heard is he's fallen out of favor with their brain trust. So it makes sense for them to bring in a guy like Stroud and build around him, a very good coaching staff. I I think the concern I have with Stroud is just what you said, the track record of Ohio State quarterbacks kind of reminds me of the guys that come out of, like, Lincoln Riley's system – Uh, In Oklahoma, they're just the system is so productive, that guys are wide open, and you know, using the inverse uh, theory here, you know, we hear all the time about quarterbacks not having guys around them, not having weapons, and you know, you got to give give Justin Fields weapons. Well, these quarterbacks that come out of Ohio State have been throwing to NFL receivers for five, six years. I mean, uh, just he had
0: one as well. He's he had a first round uh, receiver with him uh, as well.
1: Well, I mean, CJ Stroud was throwing to Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson, and now uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, and three first-round draft picks and yeah, So you know, well, and they're wide open usually when they're when they're running that system. So that's the concern I have. Is uh, you know it, this Ohio State track record of quarterbacks is not not great.
0: Zach Ewing likes to make fun of me when I say, you know, you can't just overall generally say Ohio State quarterbacks aren't any good. I mean, it's just, you know, it's almost a coincidence. They went to Ohio State. That doesn't make them automatically bad. Yes, it does. Tell me one good Ohio State quarterback. Art Schleister? I mean, seriously, who was the last good Ohio State quarterback? Oh, Justin Fields. You don't know that yet. And, again, I don't particularly like what I see. But even if you do like what you see, he hasn't proven anything yet. So I, want, I dare anyone to name one good Ohio State quarterback. Go ahead, you can't do it, can you?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think, here's the you thing. I, I think I think C.J. Stroud can be fine. Like, I don't think he... I agree. Like, you know, I think he can be a solid quarterback. When you're drafting that high, you're basically saying this guy's going to be our dude. And when you invest high in a quarterback like that, they they can't just be okay. They've got to be, you know, a franchise-type player.
0: I Regardless, I still think he's better th- other than Bryce Young. I think he's better than any of the other ones. And I don't know... What and I get this stupid Vanderbilt test? I don't even know the name of it, but I hate these stupid tests. That's Let's get stupid. rid of these stupid tests. I, I don't want to hear about this test anymore. That doesn't tell me jack about how a guy's going to play football. I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, I know some teams rely on it more than others, but I think if the Saints gonna,
1: are very yeah, much into that. Test. Yeah,
0: I know that they are. And if you're if All you're right. if you're passing on C.J. Stroud at the top of this list, and you need a quarterback. Because he didn't do well on this test, you're a moron. Okay. Just let him beat your ass later on, because he will. Um, and so anyway, that that's we'll see
1: about that. I don't know, I don't know if you and I agree on that. Yeah. If you grade high on that test, it doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be good. But if you grade low historically, no one has ever graded low and turned out good.
0: We'll see. Yeah. I and you know, we do we usually agree on most things, so and I yeah, usually look, they to use it because block out.
1: 30 graded very high and he panned out. Oh, and well, wondered how he, he didn't necessarily left. pan
0: out. He's only played eight games in the NFL dunk. I wouldn't say that he panned out.
1: Well, for a seventh round draft pick, I think you got a starting quality quarterback. That's pretty good.
0: Do we know that he's a starting quality quarterback? Cause he played eight games in the NFL.
1: Well, he's, uh, he's I mean, I guess that they, re- re-
0: you're to your point. You're, if they you're re- basically re-
1: saying, what do you think he's going to regress or what?
0: I mean, I th- I don't think you can get enough from any player playing eight games in the NFL. Well, I, you that, know, I, I, that's just my opinion. But no, uh, look, here's
1: the thing: Drew Brees graded really high on it. Uh, I think I think there's well, a lot he of value more than eight,
0: in eight games play. in the NFL. So, and
1: I think that test, I think that test tells you a lot about the quarterback position more than anything else.
0: Well, I know Bryce Young was off the charts and that stupid right. thing. Right. Um,
1: I, I I think it tells you a lot. My yeah, I don't know.
0: I I just. I guess quarterback's a different bird, but uh, to me, I I want to see what a player has done on the field, and even if he plays not top-notch competition, which I think is part of the reason why Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are up there, right? Because they played in the SEC. But, yeah, I
1: but like see- Dwayne Dwayne Haskins played Ohio State, lit it up, had huge numbers. Is the measurables? What was he six five? Yeah, you know, you know God rest his soul, RIP but he he was a bust in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you know, he, he had huge answers, numbers man. at Ohio state. Huge.
0: Yeah. I thought that was a bust coming. I don't know. I just think there's something different about this dude um, that I think that is going to make him a legit quarterback. We'll see. We'll find out because he's going to get drafted. But I think, I think he's the one that suffers from all this stuff. And I do think that he slips. So as I looked yesterday, they took his over on un- none over under number off the board. They don't want people drafted on it. So, I think that tells me that the books, sports Sportsbook thinks that he's going to drop. And they don't want people, you know, the, the, sh- the Sharps and the Sharks, the people that know way more than I do, they don't want them betting and that have a lot more money than I do, they don't want them betting on this because they think yep. he's going to fall and I think he's going to fall as well. So to me, that's the one to watch tonight. That is my surprise that C.J. Stroud drops out of the top ten. Um, I'm talking about past Atlanta. I know that I talk about them having a quandary. But if B. John Robinson's there, they're probably going to take him. They need an offensive line, and we'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun, Dunk. We've been all over the place a little bit this morning. Um, Saints draft night, to me, is always intriguing. I'm looking forward to it again. Looking forward to having you on our Bayou Bets live show and the entire Saints crew. Uh, We'll be back at it in a little while.
1: Yeah, everybody, listen to us tonight. Join in. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll have uh, lots of information live from the Saints draft room. I'm hoping to get with some of the coaches and scouts there before the draft, so hopefully we can gather a little intel to kind of inform you later tonight.
0: Especially if you're a Saints fan. I mean, if you're just a general NFL fan, we're going to have all that stuff. We're going to be we're going to have a little ticker at the bottom of the screen that's going to tell you all the pictures like they do on TV, and we're going to have knowledgeable people talking about uh, some interesting things as we go along. Uh, Dunk, looking forward to seeing you tonight. We'll uh, go get some rest before the before the damn thing.
1: I'm off to Steve Gleason's house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gotta man. get it.
0: Forget the rest. He's got other work to do. All right. Well, exactly. that, that's not the greatest segue in the world. Uh, we didn't really end that segment the way that I... You normally, when I go into a live show, I, especially with Dunk, I'm thinking of how, okay, how am I going to end this to where it's a smooth transition in the podcast? And I completely whiffed on that. Um, you didn't want to hear me talking about the live show because I'm going to do that before we finish it tonight. night. Uh, this morning, I'll say tonight. Everything's tonight, right? I'm a night owl. It is what it is. All right. Um, it's going to pretty much wrap up the show. I think we've said all we need to say, and you're ready for the draft because I am too, which leads me into what tonight is going to be. And all I can think about it, what is the outro song for today? When when you talk about this song, it is certainly not about sports, but it fits what we're doing here tonight. Uh, the, let's see, I did it again. It's kind of like playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I'm all over the place already. It's going to be a fun four hours tonight. I can't wait to do that show. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, but when I was thinking of what song we're going to go out to, oh, what a night. Frankie Valley is one of the most unsung heroes in the music world, right? I mean, for those of you under the age of, I don't know, probably 35 or so, you're probably saying, who the hell is Frankie Valley? But uh, if you don't know, go check out the Four Seasons. And he doesn't even sing most of the song. He's really only got one line that he kind of repeats over and over again. Um, but Frankie Valley is a an American treasure, in my opinion. That's right. I said it. I'm old. Frankie Valley is an American treasure. And that's what tonight's going to be. Oh, what a night. Because tonight on across all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, we're going to have... A live show. We tried this in 2015 when it was just Noah.com, and it worked out pretty well. But we are so much more technologically savvy, I guess. I think the show is going to be fantastic. Zach Ewing has worked his keister off. I give him a lot of a lot of jabs in the ribs, as you know, as we go. But he has worked his butt off in the show. When I came up and and asked him a couple weeks ago if he wanted to do this, and he went running with it. Uh, you know, Robert Young, who is Um, one of our senior uh, managers, he was all in on it. We got a couple sponsors for the show. We're going to have fun with it. Again, all of our people at Saints camp, we're going to have all of our Saints reporters and columns are all going to be on the show at some point. We got great graphics to show you throughout the show. It's not going to just be Saints. It's going to be kind of geared towards Saints, kind of geared towards the odds per se on what player might go next. But we're going to be jumping out ahead. We're probably going to have picks for you before they announce them on the air because we're going to be following all the social media stuff while we're going on. So, oh, what a night it's going to be. Make sure you join us. I'm telling you, it will be worth it. It will be better than the ESPN shows, especially if you're a Saints fan. Again, starting at about 6.50 tonight on all of our channels, waiting to see what kind of night we're having. We're going to have a lot of fun. There will be no show tomorrow. Programming note, we'll be back a week from tomorrow, next Friday, May, whatever the heck it is, um, and talking about all the things that's going on. And go back and look at what the Saints picked. We might have Dunk on again next week because I know how he likes to talk about the Kentucky Derby. So make sure you join us tonight. Have a great Thursday, a wonderful weekend. We will see you next Friday. Enjoy the draft. Peace and love, my friends.